0: My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 736, I think. I don't know, something wow. like that. Uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. On today's show, we have a friend of ours. Her name is Patrice Lenowitz. And apparently, we had dinner. A long time ago, we um, sure did at some post Oprah event. Our friend, we have a mutual friend, Shafali and Shafali asked us all to dinner, and we all broke bread together. So yes, um,
1: and then Patrice and I were just talking that we I went to one of Shafali's events in New York a long time ago, and Patrice was there, so we saw each other there. So we we have similar um, desires for the world. <laughs> we'll just say that, and we yeah. do maybe have different jobs per se, but um, I just wanted to say real quick a few of Patrice's. Um, she is executive director of The Nurtured Parent. She's a domestic violence survivor. She is a victim's rights advocate and activist. She is a writer. She is a playwright. She is a producer. She is a public speaker. She is all these things, um, which in itself we could talk about. But today we're actually here for a more intimate story um, that Patrice has for us. And um, I would like her to tell it rather than than me to go, to get started. So Patrice... Thanks for being here and thanks for being willing to share this story with us today because um, I know that there are parents that want to learn more and hear more about what you know.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Todd. And always a pleasure to see you. I have been following you for years. Um, I ran a domestic violence um, organization for 13 years and we recommended your podcast to mm-hmm. our members. You've been an incredible um, support and help to parents. So first, I wanted to say thank you thank for you. that. Okay. Um, yes. So uh, as far as my career um, in victims' rights, this is something that, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where um, you have the experience of it. You're touched by it. Um, trauma, childhood trauma survivor, and then Um, I was in a domestic violence relationship and raised my kids um, with this man um, until I had the ability to leave. Um, And when I did, um, a whole other host of problems happened because the family court system does not protect children, um, which led me to start a nonprofit called the Nurtured Parents Support Group, and it was for victims and survivors going through the system. Um, I also started another organization called the Children's Justice Campaign, which Dr. Shafali was on the board of, yeah. to actually advocate for children's rights. And, um, but we're not here today to talk about any of that. Um, unfortunately, we're here to talk um, about something very tragic that happened to me and my family. Um, my oldest son, Max, um, was celebrating his 25th birthday, and, um, And uh, he died of fentanyl poisoning on his birthday. Mm. And um, like many of us parents, um, I maybe had heard occasionally the word fentanyl. Um, My understanding of fentanyl was that it was a severe pain um, relief drug that cancer patients that are at end of life um, would be administered. Um, It's 50 times more potent than heroin Mm. and hundred times more potent than morphine. And that's kind of my understanding of it. And then I started hearing about it a little bit in the news, but more of um, like seizures or arrests, but absolutely no understanding about what It meant for our children. And um, so when, um, so this was July 20, um, July of 2022, July 14th, my son's birthday. we called our baby at midnight, as as was standard in our family. If we're not going to be together, mm. um, when they start to grow up, they start to do their own things for their birthday, which is really hard for <laughs> for us moms. Yeah. I can tell you that, and dads too, I'm sure, Todd. Um, but we we got he answered at midnight, and we got to sing to him the um, Happy Birthday Monkey song, which is tradition in our family. Um, we, you know, made him laugh. Uh, We got to talk about what his plans were for his birthday. Um, He was going to dinner at a restaurant he worked at in Margate, New Jersey, called Shuckers, and he was going with all his friends that were coming. He lived in South Jersey. I live in northern New Jersey. Um, His friends were coming down to spend his birthday with him, and then they were going to get a hotel in Atlantic City and stay overnight. And um, he didn't know where they were going to stay yet, but he promised he would send me pictures because you know, gotta have the pictures. Gotta have the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) And and all his friends are my babies too, Mm -hmm. right? So um, it's just just joy. Um, And uh, the following day is my birthday. And uh, Max was literally born an hour and a half before my Mm -hmm. birthday. And um, um, James and I, um, Max's stepdad, we were watching, um, a movie that Max had recommended, um, on the call, um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, obviously it's etched in my brain forever sure. now. Right. Um, so we decided to watch that movie. It was my birthday. And, um, I got, a, we got a call from our local police department
3: mm.
2: and heard the most horrible thing that any parent could ever hear. Um, they told me that my son was dead, mm. and um, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, we just we talked, we spoke to him. He's happy. He's with his friends, um, best friends, um, and uh, it's a mistaken identity. Somebody must have stolen his wallet because I knew he was going to Atlantic City, and um, so I really I was. It what they had the wrong. They have the wrong person. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the absolutely worst nightmare um, was thrust upon us, and it's not even a nightmare because you get to wake up from a nightmare, right? Um, yeah, the worst possible thing um, happened to us, and um, Max, uh, Max's friends were actually going to meet him, so they all drove down, and Max was gonna tell them where he was meeting them Um, so they were going to check into the hotel, then go for dinner and, and stay overnight. Um, but he stopped responding to their phone calls Mm. and, um, he was found, um, with, uh, Xanax and marijuana and, um, Xanax, if you're familiar with it, it's an anti-anxiety medication. Um, I know, uh, it wasn't prescribed by our doctor. And um, it was, uh, the police identified it as counterfeit mm. and it was tested and it was pure fentanyl. Mm. Um, now, when it comes to our work, your Zen parenting work and wh- you know, why we know Shafali, a lot of it on un- understanding trauma as domestic violence survivors, I know why my son took Xanax on his birthday. Mm. Because a lot of our abuse happened on our birthdays or holidays. Yes. Um, you know why he didn't go to our doctor for a prescription. Um, I, I can't. I can't tell you. But what I can tell you now, what I've learned in this baptism by fire, is that. Um, China has created a synthetic opioid. Um, this fentanyl, this one that we're dealing with now, the synthetic um, opioid, has been created, and with pill press machines, they also created these machines that you can um, imitate Adderall, you can imitate, you know, um, Percocet, you can imitate Xanax, any over-the-counter legal prescription pills these pill presses are now able to duplicate and make it look exactly like um the prescription pills and they're adding fentanyl to it
0: Mm. so is there so they so there was a pill machine that create first of all i'm so sorry for your loss and Mm -hmm. i'm i imagine it does not get any easier when you tell that story and i So appreciate your courage because it's helping other parents understand this better. So first want to say that. Um, So um, we think Max took something. uh, He got a a fake version of Xanax. Xanax. Did the, does the, does the fake pill maker try to make the effects feel like Xanax too? Like, are they interested in trying to give whoever receives it the same thing that Xanax does to the human body and then they add, like...
1: Ha- yeah, like is this just a financial thing, Patrice, like the, the putting fentanyl instead of Xanax or are they really thinking that they're trying to come up with some, you know, basically the exact same effects as Xanax but different, you know... Makeup. What, makeup, yeah.
2: So th- those are great questions and what we know for sure is um, these are lethal doses okay. of fentanyl. So... What typically used to be the opioid crisis, and I'm talking pre-fentanyl crisis. The opioid crisis, um, fentanyl could be used very obscurely in the background, and if you're a um, someone who's addicted to to drugs, um, fentanyl may come into play in that journey. You know that really hard journey of opioid addiction. But what we're seeing over the past 10 years is that the, first of all, I want you to imagine how little it takes for you to overdose on fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Um, The Department of Justice has on their website, and I would recommend every parent go on, uh, Drug Enforcement Agency has images of the very tip of a pencil, very, very tip. And this is a pen, but the very, very tip is 3 could be 3 milligrams of fentanyl and that will kill you. Jeez. If you imagine a penny and you imagine the date stamped on the bottom, those numbers, that little bit that little tiny space, if there was fentanyl on it, that's enough to kill you. Jeez. So, why we're dealing now with an epidemic that drug dealers are not in introducing fentanyl to hook people they're actually introducing something that's killing people so that there's a whole other theory and it's my theory and maybe maybe there are a lot of other people that are working in the drug enforcement agency that share this theory but um, I think it's an undeclared war in the United States
0: okay so you think that let's say in this case China they are deliberately putting enough in there not to make sure that Max and other people keep taking this, but perhaps to just kill the people that may or may not take it.
2: Absolutely. And the drug cartels in Mexico, you know, one of the things, you know, when we when we talk about this crisis, you can get a little fuzzy and get po- political and Fentanyl has come to the United States through the Mexican border, through the drug cartels, through air, through land, through sea and through the United States postal service.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. So it is here. It is everywhere. And our young people are targeted. And um, if you're familiar with Dr. Laura Berman.
3: Yeah.
2: um, So very famous sex therapist. And um, she's been on Oprah as well. And her 16-year-old, in the pandemic, who was actually preparing to apply to colleges, so they're all home. You know, her husband Sam, their um, their their they're three children, they're all home. Part, you know, when we were all home, um, yeah, home. <laughs> yeah. And um, a drug dealer um, reached out to him on Snapchat, mm. so. That's really important for parents to know because I wouldn't think that a drug dealer can reach my kids on Snapchat, but that's exactly how they're reaching them. And the drug dealer, because um, one of Sammy, their the 16-year-old precious boy Sammy's friends, must have uh, been in contact with this person, this drug dealer. And so now he can slide into any one of our kids mm-hmm. that are in Sammy's Snapchat friend group. Yeah. And he reached out to Sammy and offered him a whole list. You can buy one pill, any, any kind of pill. You want Adderall, you want Percocet, you want to try this, you want to try that, whatever. Um, so he bought, he bought something. And while uh, Laura, Dr. Laura was, was sleeping and her husband were sleeping and the kids were sleeping, Sammy went outside their house and met a perfect stranger on their lawn and purchased something. Um, And, you know, the tragedy is they lost their 16-year-old, you know, and having to discover your baby um, is uh, horrific. And so what we know is, you know, this isn't like um, a fentanyl overdose. This is fentanyl poisoning.
0: Right. Can you explain the difference between that? Because some people are like, oh, this person OD'd on fentanyl. Max had no interest in fentanyl whatsoever. Max had interest in getting cheap Xanax. And in doing that, he died because there was fentanyl in it. Um, But there's some people that get addicted to fentanyl. Is that what happens?
2: Absolutely. I mean, mean, yes. Um, So heroin users, um, you know, people that are suffering with addiction can be led to fentanyl and um so that small amount that killed my son and killed Dr. Laura Berman's son um probably wouldn't have killed an an active oh, addict. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. How do um,
2: I- But what they're targeting now are young people and it's been found in marijuana so marijuana not bought at a dispensary is being sprinkled with fentanyl um any kind of recreational drug and i'm going to give you an example i mean i mean i'm great i'm so grateful to have this opportunity to talk to you and reach parents because i wish i had this knowledge maybe maybe my son would still be here Mm -hmm. but what um what I've learned on this journey for nine months. I was in bed, you, you, right. you know, like I, 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 daily thoughts of killing myself. Mm. I lost my firstborn son. How do you go on? Like, yeah. so I'm sorry. I'm going to cry. Yeah. But how do you go on after the loss of a child? Mm. So any parent, only, only a parent that's lost a child knows the, the cruel, the cruelty, um, in, in that, but I have two other children and, you know, a, a loving, Partner and, and grandparents. I mean, Max has his grandparents are still alive. Mm-hmm. They buried their grandson. Mm. Um, and um, now all the young people. So um, I love having young people in my house. So Max's friends, my son Zachary's friends, my daughter Ellen is friends. This house, and like all our homes, right? The joy of having your kids' friends in your house and just the laughter and the camaraderie and being that fly on the wall to just kind of pay attention and make sure that they're safe and making good choices. Love, love, love that. And um, I like I had so many young people that needed my support. You know, they call me mama. Mm-hmm. And I I I couldn't I couldn't function. And for nine months, I wasn't able to sleep. Um, tried everything possible from, you know, meditation to, you know, my doctor prescribing things to every loving, kind person in my world was trying to help me because I couldn't fall asleep. And it's that trauma response. Yeah. So that adrenaline was going 24 seven and I couldn't shut it off. So I'm, I'm delirious. I'm in agony. I'm grieving. Um, I'm, you know, um, just a a mere shell Mm -hmm. of the person that I was. And um, I, one day it just came to me, because I'm reading now, you know, I'm, I'm getting more and more information about young people and what's happening um, to them. And so I started paying attention and then I started um, logging in to, to get news stories on fentanyl and local stories and national stories and, and just trying to figure out what's going on. So I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of reading
3: mm-hmm. and
2: research. And what I started to s- realize is, I, I can't take my life
3: hmm. right now.
2: As way a, my family needs me, my kids need me. But I gotta do something about this. I have to do something about this. And what's the one thing I could do? I can write legislation, because I know in the state of New Jersey, where I'm from, we're not getting fentanyl poisoning education in our schools. So how do I kickstart this? And you know, honestly, by the grace of God and the universe and all that's good, I was able to contact my local senator and her chief of staff, who were incredible. Mm. And the bill that um, that we wrote, and it, it's 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 a it's the beginning. So just remember, this is the beginning. I had to get it through really quickly before the session closed last. Um, uh, June, um, was fent- declaring my son's birthday, which is the same day that he left us, as Fentanyl Poisoning Awareness Day for the state of New Jersey. And I share this with you because any parent in any state that's grieving any sibling, any, anybody, can also get this introduced in their state. Yeah. We have to start with educating the public on what we're dealing with. And the only way we're going to do that is through education. And so by the grace of God, not only did we get bipartisan support, unanimous support, we got it through both houses in 25 days. Wow. Hmm. It was like unprecedented. And the governor signed our bill on Max's
1: birthday, July 14th, 2023. And Patrice, we, you and I talked about this last time we talked and, you know, you just said this, but I'm going to repeat this because I know families who have lost children or, you know, friends of the family who, you know, cause everyone's affected as we discussed, like you were talking about neighbors who, you know, everyone is affected by this loss. You were saying that if somebody wanted to take this up in whatever state they live in, that they could contact you and basically use what you created as a template.
0: She's blazed the trail.
1: Yeah. So
2: it's so important um, to uh, find out what is being done in your state. Yeah. Um, Oftentimes it, there isn't going to be anything that has, has begun um, unfortunately, but um, then piggyback off of other states that has some type of legislation that was introduced. So Max's bill, it's S J. It's called NJ, if anyone wants to Google it, NJSJR, which is Senate uh, State... Uh, um, sorry. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, okay, SJR, NJSJR 128 is the bill number. <laughs>
1: 128.
2: And um, that's in New Jersey, and that bill um, declares my son's birthday as Fentanyl Poisoning Awareness Day and honors all the other lives that were lost in our state by this um, epidemic. And um, that's the beginning. The second legislation I'm working on right now is introducing um, fentanyl poisoning education in our school systems from sixth grade through 12th grade. Now, this is not an assembly. This is going to be continual education throughout the school year, age appropriate, on what fentanyl is, where it's coming from, how it can reach them. And now I want to share a story with you about this because this is so important. Had we not gone through this, um, it's it's getting me. um, My um, my. My sister-wife, I call her my neighbor, two doors down, my sister-wife in the neighborhood. We all need our sister-wife. We do. Um, her kids are my kids and vice versa. And um, her two, uh, uh, two of her children are in college. So Max passed and, um, you know, we're all grieving. And and, and and the young people are really with mental health, you know, as as an underlying factor here, which we know is of epidemic proportions right now losing a young person when you're a young person is exceedingly hard so we're all in it we're all going through it and we're all just trying to figure out figure our footing in this um two of them i'm go back to school um one is uh their daughter lauren and she goes to brown now um she was studying for finals at brown and one of her Close, closest guy friends um, said that he bummed a Adderall so he, he could cram and asked her if she wanted one. And she has this trauma and this experience of losing Max, so she flipped out and you know and she, she gave him the explanation and the education. She testified in the Senate on our bill, by the way, this extraordinary young woman, the courage, and she. The, the one thing that um, her school is doing right, Brown, is they're offering fentanyl test strips on campus for free. Mm. I never heard of fentanyl test strips before, you know, going through this experience myself. And I know so many other parents aren't aware of this as well. So she convinced her friend to go um, downstairs to where they were offering it, get a fentanyl test strip. They tested that Adderall and it was fentanyl.
0: Wow. Do you know Just how that safe. works? So so there's something you get, a test strip and and the whatever pill the guy that wanted to mm-hmm. take is a pill, right?
2: That was a pill, yes. So
0: how do you test do you How does and, the strip work? Yeah, how does the strip work, do you know?
2: I don't. Um but um what I'm going to encourage parents to do is um Contact their, you know, state legislators, police department, drug enforcement agencies. They'll be able to get them. Got it. Um, get trained on how to use them because it's not just the fentanyl test strips; it's Narcan, um, and we'll talk about that yeah. next. Um, but which I was completely unaware of as well. Um, and so when Lauren tested this, and it proved to be fentanyl. Um, now is it, there's this whole big thing that's happening because her friend bought it from a friend, right? And you trust your friends, right? And so our young people right now need to know: unless there's a bottle with your name on it, yeah, you cannot take it, yeah. Because when I just went to a, a conference, um, uh. It was because the there's federal legislation um, called the Fend Off Fentanyl Act, and it's it's for stricter penalties for drug dealers and things like that. And at that event, um, we were told that um, the explanation of when we were young, and and I'm going to say carelessly experimenting, right? Um, Our biggest concern, I'm 56. Mm -hmm. My biggest concern is something being mixed with baby powder. Right? Right. Today, the old expression of, you know, when you do drugs, it's like playing Russian roulette. And you never know if you're going to be affected by the bullet that makes you addicted. And at worst, you could die. Now they're explaining it as for the visual for our parents and our young people every chamber in that gun has a fentanyl bullet in it with a lethal dose to kill you. Mm. So things have changed. It is a completely different landscape and this we started to see this change 10 years ago and there's there's a spike in the um overdose overdose opioid deaths in this country but um it's uh it's unlike anything that our country has ever seen or experienced before and the number of young people impacted is astounding so um yes
0: um so um this is interesting to me, and I, I find myself you know, ignorant on all this because I, I had a friend whose son was addicted to fentanyl, like, and somehow he miraculously came through it, and I think the chances of doing that...
1: Well, like she said, if he had been addicted to other things, his body had a greater capacity to take that fentanyl right. on. So
0: all I'm trying to do is separate the yeah. idea that there's some kids who intend to take fentanyl, it seems like. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe kids don't take fentanyl, do yeah. they?
2: I mean, it, it's a buildup. It's okay. a buildup, you so, know, so, so somehow
0: once, once he got people
2: start experimenting, right. um, you know, you might start experimenting with more and more and the way that it works. And I'm not, I'm not a doctor, mm-hmm. but my understanding of it is once your brain is exposed to that opioid, mm-hmm. it changes a lot, um, and how your body responds. And then you're constantly exploring with new and different things, to get back to that initial high. Got it. And, you know, and, and I just want to take it a step, one step before, the only reason why, and we were all young ones too, the only reason why any of us go down that path is because we are struggling with some kind of pain. Right. We are struggling with some kind of mental health issue, whether it's, you know, anxiety, depression, violence in the home, the death of a parent, We know from the um, CDC there's uh, this um, research that was conducted called the ACE Study, Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. And so we know from that study that was conducted in 1998 and continuous studies to support the original claims of that scientific study, that children that are exposed to domestic violence, sexual abuse, drug or alcohol addicted parent incarceration divorce um uh neglect Neglect
1: of any kind yeah
2: they are now um uh they will have more illnesses in their life and um they are prone to have addiction um depression and a shortened life expectancy of as much as 20 years yeah i think uh, Those numbers are going to change now with this epidemic, because that, you know, research was done um, a while ago. But now knowing that, speaking of your friend, uh, your friend's son, Todd, like our young people are going to possibly explore with something so they don't feel pain. Mm -hmm. Sure. And there isn't anything really out there to support our kids and their mental health needs. Sure. Um, you know, our, our, you know what we learned from Dr. Shefali and the conscious parent, you know, we have
0: to handle. Are you ready to unlock a calmer, happier you? Then I can recommend a great podcast called Mindfulness for Beginners. It's like a good friend who guides you through the journey using relatable stories to communicate the key concepts and guiding you through inspiring meditations. So don't wait. Click the link in the description and join Sean on the Mindfulness for Beginners podcast and embark on your journey of calmness and happiness today.
1: Join the circle, which is the Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks. We also have small groups that focus on finance, raising healthy sons, differently wired families, and I have an exclusive women's group. This is only $25 a month, and you can cancel at any time. Our motto is Zero Pressure, 100% Support.
0: 30 years ago, the greatest threat to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's anxiety, depression, suicide, self-harm, cyberbullying, eating disorders, screen time, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen. ZPR 2024. It's a two-day in-person live event on January 26th and 27th in Oak Brook, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and get your tickets now.
1: Okay, everybody. There's three things you can do for us. If you haven't already, follow this podcast. That's good for you because you don't have to go looking for the show. And it's good for us because it helps people find us. You can subscribe to my Zen Parenting Moment newsletter, which comes out every Friday. It's just some information for you to make you feel better about your day and about your parenting overall. And then three, if you like this podcast, you will love Zen Parenting the book. I put together everything that we talk about on this show, all the essential points, all the things that people ask us about in one place. You can find Zen Parenting the book anywhere books are sold
2: handle our own unconsciousness and our trauma and our stuff so we don't put our trauma onto our kids and you know pass that legacy on um but i do know that and, and we can get to that you know a little bit later but my next step is going to be supporting the mental health needs of our young people so before we, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Okay.
0: so before we get there and I, I'm, I'm sorry i just want to like understand this better there is there are people, young people, old people out there that get addicted to fentanyl and, and can't escape it, kind of like heroin. And then there's people like Max who took one fake pill that had fentanyl in it. And, yeah. the, you know, like when I was a little kid, when kids were addicted to drugs, it took a long time for somebody to kill themselves from drugs. And, yeah. and the crisis that, you're, that you were so deeply impacted by is that Max took a Xanax, what he thought was a Xanax, and there's like no forgiveness in it. There's like, it's like a one and done possibility. And that yes. never happened. I don't know if that ever happened when we were little.
1: No, but I was telling Patrice that, that I have now heard so many stories like this. There was a story of a girl in one of our suburbs just in the last month who she was trying cocaine for the first time. And there was fentanyl in it. There are other kids who have, you know, same thing. They ran out of their medicine, didn't ask for more, started get because one thing – Patrice mentioned this, but I have a girlfriend whose son was, uh, you know, experimenting with a lot of drugs. And this whole Snapchat menu thing is a real thing, man. Like they – her son basically was ordering off of a menu of what he wanted. And when he finally said, you can't drop it off at my house anymore – the dealer, whoever it was said, don't worry, I'm going to drop it at a tree down the street. You know, you'll know it. So they get creative. And again, this sounds like a movie. Like, you know, I sometimes hear these stories. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like a horror movie. And you're like this can't but it's less about let's scare every parent. That's not that's never our goal is to put more fear in parents. It's to empower and understand. And this is exactly what you're doing. Patrice is like, what you can how you can be educated enough to talk to your kids about this yes
0: well it's so it's so weird because i feel like we can say you know in the perfect world hey kids if you're feeling your pain feel the pain get help talk to a therapist all that and then like there's this other thing where kids are kids and sometimes they're going to be experimental and there's this awareness campaign that i feel like you're trying to create especially with the strips and stuff. yeah Do not take anything unless it's from a legal dispensary or from the doctor at Walgreens. Your doctor,
3: yes,
2: your doctor with your name on the bottle, and And your parents are involved, right? Because a lot of the opioid um, crisis that we're facing were, you know, young athletes that had an injury and were prescribed an opioid by their doctor, and um, you know, have lifelong struggles with addiction now because right. of it so even when it's prescribed by your doctor you know our, right. parents, our parents we have to really be involved in it because as we know the pharmaceutical companies really have dirty hands in all of this mm-hmm. and um created uh, a nation An of epidemic. addicts
0: yeah so um, I want to ask one more question and I have already asked it once and maybe it was answered like, you're like, well, sometimes if you buy weed uh, by, you know, some non-dispensary, they sprinkle in fentanyl. Why? why do they, why does it get in there? Is it by accident? Is it by design? Is it to make it more addictive? Is it cause they're trying to kill our kids or, or is it all the above?
2: I mean, I, honestly, Todd, I, I think it's all the above. I think, you know, um, local drug dealers um may think hey this is a great hook mm-hmm. you know this is a great way to to, to make more money not understanding the the potency. lethal yeah. amount because this is this synthetic opioid was manufactured at such a high potency mm-hmm. that um it's not having the intended uh, I, I hope
3: yeah you know
2: um uh, effect, but you know, the challenge we have is our local drug dealers. You know, we have all these new legislation, and gonna, they they want to punish. Obviously, you know, the, the, the China. Mm-hmm. Okay, China, the one that's manufacturing this. Well, if you want to buy it because it's legal in China, and if you want to buy the as it's legal in China, but you don't want it to come back to you. Use cryptocurrency.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: That's how, it's, that's how it's getting through. So, you know, our drug enforcement agency has a hell of a job on their hands. And, yes, they're doing everything that they can, I believe so, to, to stop it from from harming us. But it's already here. Yeah. And the numbers are astounding. I know that last year they seized, and I'm going to tell you the exact number, the drug, drug enforcement agency seized 332 um million um uh, pounds of fentanyl which is enough to kill every american mm. um cuz we have okay sorry forgive me 396 million lethal doses of fentanyl were seized and we have 332 million people in the united mm. states right so that means they seized enough of fentanyl to kill every single american in the united states um, that, that's one aspect of it. Now, the other, go, getting back to your, um, the, the young girl in your neighborhood who did cocaine, um, of my, I was telling you my, my sister-wife in the neighborhood, her other child, um, her son goes to Rutgers University in New Jersey. He's my middle son's best friend. And, um, you know, we're very traumatized and grieving, you know, cause Max was like a brother to him. Um, but he's back in school and it's at finals time for him as well. Um, he went to his, uh, apartment with his roommates. He's a senior and, um, his roommate had two friends over that he never met before. And he said he noticed that they were messed up. So whether it was from drinking or partying, he didn't know, but they looked wasted. hmm you didn't think anything about it because that's college life. Unfortunately, that is the truth, parents. Um, it's scary, and yes, we need to talk to our kids, and yes, we need to be involved with their schools because um, because there's a lot of there's a there's a much more lethal bullet coming for our kids right now. And so um, he, Alex took a shower. Um, just uh, those are his roommates friends. And then he heard a a boom, a really loud noise, and it startled him enough to leave the bathroom to see what that was. And the two young men, 21 years old, that he just met were on the floor. And his roommate was like, you know, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. They're wasted, you know, don't worry about it. Alex just lost Max. And immediately went to their overdosing He immediately went to, this is fentanyl. And even though they argued, and they argued because the roommate knew that his friends um, did cocaine.
1: Yeah, so he He didn't want want him to get in trouble.
2: He didn't want to get his friends in trouble. But Alex had the tragedy, the experience of that tragedy to know if I don't act fast and we don't get Narcan in here, they're gonna die. Mm and so he was he did call and he did let them know he thought they were overdosing and he did think that it was fentanyl and they did come with narcan and now now to talk about narcan narcan is something that you know EMTs law enforcement have used for quite some time to reverse an overdose and it's been quite successful um a dose of narcan reversing the effects of an overdose. This fentanyl epidemic could take two doses, three doses, four doses, five doses to revive someone. The police aren't coming with five doses. Mm-mm. The EMT wasn't prepared for this. Like everyone has was has been caught off guard by the the lethal um, effects of this drug, and also how. Something that has been tried and true to Mm. um, help someone that's overdosing is not working and you have to continually administer it. Um, So fortunately, because of Alex, he saved those two Mm -hmm. young men. Mm. Um, But now it's our job as parents to make sure that our high schools, our middle schools and our colleges are all taking this seriously Because it is everywhere. They can get it on Snapchat or any any social media um, platform. Um, They are getting it from their friends that they trust, not knowing. And that's the scary part for me when you talk about legislation to punish drug dealers. You know, we have 18-year-olds that are going to prison because they gave something to their best friend who died. Right. So, you know, we have to be very, we have to look at that and be very careful about that. Um it's meant for the actual drug dealers and right. the drug cartels and, and all of that. But um, our young people um, are being targeted from every angle. I'm, every try-
0: I'm trying to like look at this through the lens of a young person, because I remember my parents scaring me with all the stats of drunk driving or whatever it was. And with the amount of prevalence that I don't know what you call it, like off brand pills are, like you get them off of Snapchat, like you said. Like I'm wondering if there's somebody listening, a younger person listening, like this is everywhere. Like the fake pills are everywhere and only one out of 10,000 die of a fentanyl overdose. Um, And I just I'm trying to like think what type of pushback we adults might get from younger people because if they're all kind of, not they're all, if there's so many of them taking these off-brand pills, and most of them aren't dying. They're going to keep doing it. I just, I'm just trying to see how we could frame this. Yeah, like
1: what's the counter argument? You know, Patrice, when when you know some kids do get obviously off-brand pills, you know, and they take them and they're okay. Like it is it, it there is a Russian roulette piece to it? Where it, is it there? Is it the makeup of their body? Mm-hmm. Is it that you know a genetic predisposition? Does it depend how Does much? Does it was depend in on that, how much? Like that what fake pill? Or? What do you hear people say about this?
2: So, um, you know, the challenge is, um, it often, and this comes to the fentanyl poisoning part, um, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of young people that are experimenting do not know that they're taking fentanyl. Right. Overwhelming majority. So that's why it is called fentanyl poisoning. Right. It's not a... Uh, Someone struggling with addiction and overdosing, which that is happening as well Mm -hmm. from fentanyl. But we're talking the 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 numbers um, are right now. The United States, 300 people are dying a day in the United States from fentanyl, Mm -hmm. 300 people a day. So you have to think about that. If we're talking to a young person, an airplane, right, right. 300 passengers, you know every day that 300 people, that plane's going to go down, mm-hmm. 300 people are going to die every single day. Mm-hmm. You might want to think about flying. You might want to think about taking a bus mm-hmm. <laughs> or something right. after that. But it, really, the, those are the numbers. Those are the statistics our young people have to hear. You know, um, yeah, we were all young ones too. And we understand what it, it's, it. it Feels like to get caught up in the camaraderie or wanting to fit in and things like that. But this is a whole completely different game. Um, It's something that our country has never experienced before. And so the likelihood of A, you being introduced to fentanyl and B, it being fatal is very, very high. So what
0: you're saying is it's possible that there's kids taking, you know, fake Xanaxes and have already been exposed to fentanyl and they don't even know it. They didn't it. even know it.
2: And now they're looking for more and more higher doses Got of it. drugs. Okay.
0: So
1: that's what's interesting about this story is because there's a story like Max's story, um, and like Sammy's story, and many other stories, like I said, that I've heard in Chicago just in the last couple of months. It's it's too common. And then there's the story of a kid being fed fentanyl over time, becoming more of an addict. And then to your point, there's kids who are offering those pills, who are then getting caught on the side of being. And I'm putting this in air quotes, even though it is dealing. It's yeah. that kid wasn't attempting to be a dealer, but they gave the pill and they were and, part of and it. It's and it's,
2: it's murder. And it's
1: murder. And so there's all these sides to it. So there, and there's more here. I know, um, Patrice, but like as far as talking to our kids about this you know you're this is like you know your world in in many different ways like you have this advocate side and this legislative side and this obviously being a parent and now this experience like because fear doesn't always work with our kids you know just being like you should be scared of this or don't do this like you know we're 80s kids we got all that stuff and sometimes it worked and sometimes you Scared straight yeah and you know dare and all that so What do you say? Obviously, the kids around you know, Matt knew Max and they know who he is and they know his story. But for kids like who don't, what do you say? What's your what 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 language do you use?
2: So um, I can tell you that I learned um, about uh, I learned a lot in hindsight now. uh, Right. About what our kids are exposed to in high school. You know, our athletes, um, our young athletes, they get injured. They share things.
1: Mm. Interesting.
2: Now that was something that you know was probably always been here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, truth be told, is probably always something that has been around. But the difference now is because of the fentanyl crisis, and it, it's a whole different ball game that we've never we've never dealt with before. We've never seen numbers like this ever in our country, in the history of our country, never. So, um, and is it, you know, specific to the United States? Yes, it is. Hmm. Yes, it is. Interesting. Um, worldwide, um, you're not, you don't see anywhere near the numbers that we're experiencing in the United States. Now in Mexico, the scary part is uh, a lot of our young people go there for spring break, right? Mm-hmm. So in Mexico, you can buy a pill, mm-hmm. Um, from a pharmacy without a prescription of anything.
0: Yeah. You just walk in.
2: And and now they're finding those pharmacies. All right. So again, you're feeling comfortable. A, you're feeling comfortable taking something that your friend gave you. And B, now you're spring break again. Let's have some fun. And let's go pick up, you know, something. And they go and they pick up Percocet, let's say. Mm Mm-hmm. And one pill, and the bigger the Percocet, they're finding that it's in the pharmacy um, wow. uh, pills. Got so the drug cartel has already made its way there. Now the scary part there is that their pharmacy bottles. So just like we have here in the United States. So you know, I, I, and I want to make the distinguish uh, distinguish this for for parents as well. Our pharmacies in the, in the United States are safe.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If it's a prescription from your doctor um that goes to the pharmacists, there will not be fentanyl in it. But we there was an article done on pharmacies in in Mexico and bottled medications are now testing positive for fentanyl. Mm-hmm. So that is another you know scary awakening for our young people and parents because so many of our kids travel International. You know, there for spring break.
0: You know what's interesting about this whole thing, Kathy and I watched Dope Sick. It was it was on Hulu. It was just a really uh, impactful um, TV show. It was a it was based on real life events. Real life, but they made it Hollywoodish. Um, I I have this kind of like secret. I don't know if hatred's the word, but big pharma. Like, there's a lot of bad things about big pharma, right? And yet here we are, like. They're kind of like the standard that we want to use if there is some type of pain that we're in, that we're just pleading with our children to use Big Pharma and not the Snapchat menu and not something your friends gave you. And it's just an interesting thing. Well, like, it's
1: a cycle, right? Like I think, you know, Patrice said a little bit ago that her goal, and I want you to share that before we're done today is, you know, to take it 10 steps back yeah. and be like, where are we not talking to kids about their yes. pain? When are we not communicating with their with our kids about whatever they need We're there for them? Do they know they have the supports? Do they have access to what they need where they don't have to get in that cycle of any kind of pain management? Now – Again, I think why you always bring up the athletes is because sometimes pain happens because of regular just yeah. day-to-day things. You just roll an ankle, you break a foot, you whatever, and then you yeah. can get in that cycle. And even there, to your point, regardless of your kid's age, it's – it uh, having a parent – you know, like my daughter had her tonsils out, and they gave us a big bottle mm-hmm. of, um, you know, medicine to control pain that had opioids in it, and and Todd and I had to make these decisions about yeah. how long we do this, how much, yes. and you, if you don't have that kind of management, if it's just a free for all, mm-hmm. then that can cause a problem. Yeah.
2: So, thank th- you, and for bringing that up because that's a really important point that I'd like to share. Um, as a parent, you know let's say, firearms. Right. You're going to take that seriously, make sure that it's locked up, keep it away from your kids, you know, that stuff. But if you're prescribed something for going to the dentist and you put it in your medicine cabinet, right. all they have to do is Google what that is mm-hmm. and they're going to take it and share it with their friends. Mm-hmm. That is the reality of parenting. Yeah. You know, you, we always have to be on high alert. We always have to find out what can go wrong. Not that we, may, not to make ourselves crazy, right? Not to live in fear, but be aware of the dangers out there so we can do everything in our power to prevent it. Hmm. And um, so a lot of uh, our young people, including in, in in families that I know very well, um When you have those medications in your house and they're not locked up in a safe because opioids are so addictive, it's, you know, like leaving a loaded gun out. Mm
1: -hmm. Hey, Matthew Perry said in his book, you know, Matthew Perry just passed and we don't know why yet. You know, it's really not our business in this at this point. But in his book, he talked about that he would go to open houses like when there was a house on the market and go to the open house and go into people's bathrooms and look through their medicine cabinet and take things. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is, this is Chandler, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm yeah. saying that to yeah. kind of normalize this, like there are our kids. We don't, it may not be our kid, but it could be a kid who's in our home. Mm-hmm. Like something,
2: you know, some, a kid that we love and adore and feed right? and take care of and take on vacation with our kids and right. you know, all the things that you feel comfortable with, but you know, it, it those that age, you yeah. know, the teen years they're really they're really challenging for, for, for many many reasons, which we know. But um, n- knowing that, that those are the years, and we're talking so Chandler start, said that he started drinking when he was 14. Correct. And what he was trying to fill was a hole from being neglected, right? Divorced family, having to go between countries. Yep. Right. It wasn't like, you know, I was going to one parent in, and the other parent in the same town or what, what have you. He had to go on a plane by himself. Yeah. So he was feeling incredibly neglected. And like all of us, I mean, Chandler is all of us.
3: Yeah.
2: As a young person, when we don't have the tools to manage our feelings. Yeah. When we don't have an understanding on how to regulate our emotions we may fall prey to alcohol or drugs or, and other self-harming measures. And that was the beginning of his demise, right? That because, you know, alcohol led him to opioids. And, you know, he has, and that, thank you for bringing that up because I think it's so important. I, I literally cried for three days mm-hmm. um, straight after he passed away. Not because I knew him. Right. And yes, you know, he's a beloved celebrity. And, you know, our whole family um, adores friends. But it was because my brother died of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And very similar to Chandler, um, started at 14. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a young man trying to figure yourself out and how you fit in. As you're growing into manhood and not having support, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a whole, a manhole with the covers off and, you know, our kids are are falling in that. And which is why the work that you do is so important because we're talking about, you're, you're talking about these issues constantly about, you know, young people and their mental health struggles. They're real. It's right. it's not, you know, something that's new. It's not something that, you know, just came on the scene. It's been around for forever. We're learning about how to be mindful and conscious and take care of ourselves and lead by example for our kids. We're not all there. No. But um, certainly, you know, a, a story like that it brought me right back, Chandler, <laughs> uh, Matthew Perry, because, you know, that was my home, you know, and my brother and my experience. And yes, he died from alcoholism. And um, so how do we now, okay, we've got, we've got all these issues that have been around for a long time. We've got, you know, uh, addiction and all these things that we want to prevent, but we've never had the social media um, impact. We've never been in this situation where our young people are being educated right. by perfect strangers with negative stuff. None. I, I can't say that there's. Um, you know, it's not all negative because it isn't. We know that it isn't. But for so long, our young people were were given a screen as a way for parents. Okay, good she's busy or he's busy you know i can cook dinner in peace or i can do my laundry or i can take my work call and not even we weren't even considering cuz we never experienced this before yeah what thing yeah. what are they doing and now that we have all this time behind us and the research and showing us how harmful it's been now we have a whole other set of problems that we have to focus our energy on and understand that it's not going away Um, you know, and the fentanyl crisis has made it even that much more dangerous. So what are we going to do about it? And that's where, you know, focusing on our young people's mental health needs is going to save lives. Yeah. Teaching our young people how to self-regulate. What do you do when you're feeling awful? Having those tools, and that's something that I was able to share with adults in my domestic violence organization, you know, helping the parents um, be able to regulate their own emotions because they're trauma victims, you know, going through the judicial system and all that stuff. And that fear and that anxiety is going to lead you to make bad choices. So how do we reach them and now I'm talking our young people. So as, as far as the adults, I'm able to now share all the, that I've learned along the journey and and hopefully they put it in their toolbox so they can self-manage, they can pick up a phone call, they'll know a doctor to call, like we, we share information, but our young people... Yeah. That's, that's where they're, they're getting all their information from their friends, right? And they're getting all their information from social media, which we know has been incredibly harmful. And so now I think my energy is going to be rushing to 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 go to the beginning before our children start exploring and help them with um their mental health needs and give them the tools that they can carry with them for life so because you know we're going to have ups and downs in our lives and and tragedies and
1: you know um we have to That's learn. What happens. Yeah. We have to learn how to deal with pain because exactly. we will not have a life without pain. And this is, exactly. I sometimes when I think about, and uh, we're kind of closing up shop here. But I, when I think about when it comes to fentanyl or when it comes to pain or when it comes to choices our kids are making, I think I I think about um, the challenges around porn. And the reason I think about it is because so many parents are trying to keep porn from their children. Understandably, totally get it. But we're in an era now where our kids can access porn so easily that it's not enough to try to put the parent controls on and try to say you can't go to that person's house or you can't be alone in your room. You have to talk to them about porn. Mm-hmm. You have That's to true. talk to them about what they will see because they the access is too great. It's the same with pain. You will have pain. You That's will right. fail. It's the same with you know, drugs and, and fentanyl and opioids and all these things. You will be tempted with this. This will be around. Like I remember even talking to my kids when they were going into middle school and they were still like, ooh, cigarettes gross or ooh, vaping gross. And I'm like, oh, you will see it at middle school. And they de- like not to make them afraid, but open that conversation.
2: and And make them feel safe, right? We want to create the safe space where, you know, over the dinner table, which is something that became a staple in our home, you know, family meals are a real thing. It's a real thing in our home because, you know, I grew up in a very toxic home in my childhood and and saw the impact on me and my siblings, and then did my work and recognized how important that was. So being able to safely and openly talk about these things. And also as a parent, when they ask us a question, to actually say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But guess what? I'm going to do some research and I'm going to get back to you on that. So let's just put a pin in that because. Yeah. And being able to, needs to. To learn some stuff right now.
1: And being able I to. Re- yeah. Regulating our feelings and fears around this. Like you said, it starts with us. We have to regulate because if our kids come to us with something our fear, or why are you asking that? Or where'd you hear about that? Or that kind of initial snap judgment and reactivity closes them down.
0: And so Todd, go ahead. So I, I'm trying to like picture somebody listening to this, and I'm sure that um, we will have done our job um, at a minimum level, because I even wrote down halfway through, you said, you said, what we want our kids to do is if they're going to take a pill, take it with in a bottle that they that their name is on they're it, prescribed. And they're prescribed, like, But I feel like that's just the top. Like if that's the only takeaway, great, that's fine. But really what I think you're getting down to is the nature on how we experience discomfort. And if like if if parents are going to be like, hear this podcast and be like, hey, I just heard this lady and she lost her son and I don't want you taking anything other than if you're like, that's that's just the bare minimum. That's bare minimum. What we really want to do is engage in a conversation with our kids about how they experience discomfort, how they experience pain, not to numb out from it, not to escape from it. And I feel like our job will um, will be more impactful. This podcast will be more impactful if parents' takeaway from this is not just, hey, kids, if you're going to take a pill, make sure it's yours and you got that prescribed by a doctor and you got it at a U.S. pharmacy. But it's really about how do you feel when you're uncomfortable? How do you feel when you're in pain? Help, how can I help you process it? Because none of it's anger, fear, sadness, none of it's bad. And we need to feel it so that we can process through it. And what we do, what drugs does is just escape. It's just escapism. it yeah, numbs it out. And we want to empower our parents how to guide our children not to escape from the discomfort.
2: That's beautiful. Uh, you said it perfectly, Todd. That is absolutely right. And it's, it's important for us as parents to understand what trauma is. So a lot of our young people could be experiencing bullying in school. Right. They are. That's trauma. And trauma, we know, is a thief. Trauma is a thief of wonder, a thief of joy, a thief of curiosity, a thief of hope. Yeah. So, And that could be any kind of trauma that a young person like we were talking about with the CDC discusses um, uh, on adverse childhood experiences, but we're all going through something. So if we can understand um, what trauma is, what pain is, what sadness is, and then how do we find healthy ways to work through them? And instead of our young people trying to escape yeah.
1: right. from it. Yeah. Like I, one of the suggestions I have for, for this podcast, for parents who are like, well, what do I do next? Tell your kid, like if you're driving in the car, say, I want to listen to part of this with you or the whole thing. Or will you listen to it on your own? And then we can talk about it. And be curious because what I'm going to ask my girls to do is tell me what – we were missing yeah, here. In we, your experience, how much of this is true? How much of this have you seen? Or are we missing a vital component? Like, instead of with your kids being like, I'm the parent and I'm going to tell you to not do this, yeah. say to them, is this real yeah. in your life? Yes, exactly. Because we know it's real. Like, we're not questioning, is it real in the world? Obviously, this is happening. We're, we're sharing real stories. But demonstrating to our kids, the way I'm going to care about you is be curious about your world. Mm-hmm. And, and this end conversation we're having right now is, are you in pain? Mm -hmm. Like, are we, and I know these parents are like, well, I'm not going to ask that. Why not?
2: Yeah. And you know, what's so wonderful about that? I can tell you, um, before my son passed away the year before I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. Mm. And I remember getting diagnosed and being so angry, like so angry at God so angry, just like, you know, with everything I've been through. And, you know, a lot of us out there have experienced a lot of trauma in, in our lives. So making it through all of that. And now you give me stage three colon cancer. Like, are you effing kidding right. me? Yeah. So I was really angry. I didn't want to do chemo. I didn't even take Tylenol when I was pregnant with my kids. Like, I'm so like trying to leave, lead by example, with a healthy, healthy choices for my life. And now I have to take chemo or I'm going to die. That's what they're telling me. So I'm just, I was so overwhelmed and so angry. And Max, um, was living in South Jersey at the time. And, um, I tried, I explored every avenue I could to, to not do chemo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the consensus came back, I've got to do chemo. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, Max came home when I got my chemo. Um, and by the way, Max came home every three weeks when I got chemo to mm. take care of me. And take care of his stepdad. Because mm-hmm. he would cook for him. Mm-hmm. Because he knew how hard it was for him, fearing losing me. Absolutely. And that's Max. And I remember I on one time when he came home in the beginning, and I'm just, I'm so angry. And he said... Um, mom, why are you being so negative? You know that negative energy is attracted to negative energy. You're making yourself sicker. And right now you got to fight for your life. And like when he started down that conversation, I remember I felt like a bucket of water was just thrown in my face because I was venting like, I was just so mad and just like, why me? Right. And then he started sharing with me how right now, how it was really important that I raise myself to that higher frequency Mm. because every cell in my body was counting on me Mm. to make it through this. And having the introduction of that poison into your body is really going to do damage. So you have to be at your best and your optimal game and yada, yada, yada. My coach, you know, I just, I stood there. We were actually walking into the mall. He had to pick up something and I just stopped walking and I just said, Max, how did you get so wise? And he stops and he turns around and he goes, Mom, you taught me this. Stuff.
3: Right. Right.
2: I felt slapped in the face at that moment, like oh. he caught me and reminded me to self-correct. Yeah. He caught me and held me through it and got me and our family through that. And so, you know, that's Max. And mm. for so many of us, you know, our precious children um, cut off from fentanyl poisoning. Um, you know, we're losing these amazing mm.
3: young Human beings. people that yeah. could
2: have done extraordinary things with their lives had we all been at the table understanding what's happening right now mm. and talking about it right now and educating each other about it now. And then you know holding our schools accountable why doesn't don't why do my schools in New Jersey not have fentanyl test strips why isn't it mandatory at every single school yeah you know that they're doing it mm. so it's like you know you have to start where you are right yep. some some is it, it's going to be in the beginning some is going to be in the middle we we have to meet them where they are so That's narcan right. education mm. and fentanyl test strips you know in the schools and obviously at educating our law enforcement are losing their lives and routine traffic stops. Yeah. Because of fentanyl in the car. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, preschools in Manhattan. Um, just last month, there was a preschool and actually in the Bronx, and the owners were selling drugs and taking care of little ones. Mm. And the little ones just touched little residue on the surface and overdosed one died
3: Mm
0: -hmm. so it's everywhere
2: everywhere.
0: Yeah. yeah um patrice thank you for your courage thank you for sharing um and using uh your experience with max to empower us as parents to try to help us reduce the possibility and just make the world a better place i can't say thank you enough
1: Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, like we were saying, it's not like always under the best of circumstances to connect in this way. But our mission has always been this, right? You know, all of us here, all three of us. And now you have a story of that really is going to save lives. And the legislation, like you said, I remember when we talked and you were like, one day, you know, when you were getting through your grief, you're like, wait, I know how to get legislation passed, like, you can write it. (laughs) And we're just so grateful for you using that energy. And just so nice to reconnect again, and you
2: might. But, but I also want to say, sometimes we're going to come up against um, a brick wall. Sure, of whether
1: course. Whether it's with our
2: school administration, whether it's with you know um, our elected officials, don't give mm-hmm. up.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's
2: always going to be a way around it. Yeah. A, whether it's you know climbing under a fence, through a window, through a back door. This is so important that we have to make sure that we break through to educating our teachers, educating ed- educating our kids, and educating our parents on what's out there and how to keep our kids safe. Thank um, you,
0: Patrice. I will include all of the links um, that Patrice wants us to include yep. in the show notes. So if there's anybody out there that wants to um, take up some advocacy or even reach out to Patrice, I'm sure you'd be open to that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch one we will. way or another. We
1: will.
2: I look forward to it. It was so wonderful to see you both. And thank you for all the incredible work you do. You're thank a blessing you. to this world.
0: Thank As
1: you. As are you, Patrice. Thank you. Hey, everybody. We're thrilled to announce that the Zen Parenting Conference is back live and in person in 2024.
0: This year, our exclusive event will be centered around teens. Why? Because 30 years ago, the greatest threats to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's currently anxiety, depression, suicide, self harm, cyberbullying, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our
1: own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen, to have
0: honest conversations, and to live our way through it together. If you're currently parenting a teenager or have an emerging teen, this is an event you absolutely won't want to miss. We have limited seating this year, so secure your spot now. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com.
1: If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app. That includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us.
0: You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.